War in Ukraine, COVID, the Biden presidency, and the elections. You are listening to The John DePietro Show. Well, folks, good afternoon. You're listening to The John DePietro Show. It's AM 1380 and 909.9 FM. You can always listen online at the website, DePietro.com. It's 106 106 on this Thursday. And folks, this portion of the John DePietro Show, it's brought to you by the Lodge Pub and Eatery, 40 Breakneck Hill Road in Lincoln. Now, what are your lunch plans right now? Right now, you could stop by the Lodge Pub and Eatery, 40 Breakneck Hill Road in Lincoln. A delicious meal is waiting for you. Pop in for a great time, uh, lunch, dinner, drinks in the lounge. They're waiting for you at the Lodge Pub and Eatery, 40 Breakneck Hill Road in Lincoln. So, folks, um, right now, the the map, um, or I should say, the if you look at the calendar, things are definitely breaking the way for the Republicans. Things are definitely breaking the way for the Republicans. Um, and, and, and the mood is, is really shifting. There's still time to go, as a matter of fact. It is interesting to me how that debate in, the debate in Pennsylvania, that's a, that was a very important debate. Dr. Oz and that guy, uh, he's the lieutenant governor, lieutenant governor John Fetterman. He had the stroke. Uh, they had been pushing, there's now a lot of questions that Fetterman, John Fetterman, the lieutenant governor, that he actually shouldn't have debated because it went so bad. It just, it, it went off the rails. If you haven't seen it, it it's online. It, you, you just type in Oz Fetterman full debate on YouTube. And it is, I, I just, if, if it stays, if Oz wins that race, that 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 race could that race could decide control of the Senate. That that race absolutely could control the Senate. So now it doesn't mean, for instance, Herschel, twelve days left to the midterms. Herschel Walker, another one, you know, he's definitely had some problems to say the very least. But but that Fetterman, Dr. Oz debate where, and Dr. Oz, by the way, he, he's getting knocked around. What he was, what I, what I think he meant to say was <clears throat> that this whole business, it should be decided by, um, it should be divided, decided by the states, that the states should be the ones to decide it. It should not be. So they're making a big deal that he said, uh, you know, that it would be a local politician. He he wasn't wrong in that. I also want to play. I thought Tucker Carlson was pretty good last night saying, boy, what a disservice they've done, they did. The Democrat Party by trying to pretend that this guy was fine. So let me I want you to hear a little bit. This is Tucker, Tucker Carlson last night, night, everybody. Two days before the Democratic Senate primary in Pennsylvania back in May, staffers for the John Fetterman campaign announced that their candidate had tragically suffered a stroke. But no problem. 
In a written statement, purportedly written by John Fetterman himself from the hospital, Fetterman announced that he was absolutely fine. I'm feeling much better, the statement read. Doctors tell me I didn't suffer any cognitive damage. Okay, so the primary continued as planned with Fetterman's name on the ballot, and Fetterman won. He became the Democratic nominee. And that was the last that most voters heard about John Fetterman's stroke. For months, Fetterman remained in semi-seclusion. Yep. Then as the campaign progressed and the polls tightened, he began to venture out. He had no choice. And video clips surfaced of Fetterman speaking at rallies in what seemed to be a bizarre and highly disjointed way. Yes. Some began to wonder if he'd really suffered, quote, no cognitive damage from his stroke. It was at this point that Fetterman's personal physician, a man called Clifford Chen, who also happened to be a campaign donor to him and other Democrats, rushed forward to bring science to bear on this question. In Clifford Chen's considered opinion as a respected medical professional who works at a major research university, John Fetterman was absolutely fine. Fetterman was, quote, recovering well from his stroke. He had, quote, no work restrictions and can work full duty in public office. In other words, John Fetterman was as sharp and as healthy as you or me as anyone in America, in fact, more so, ready for the Senate. Fetterman's wife, who presumably would know, seconded this assessment and attacked anyone who disagreed. So did a group of Democratic office holders who wrote a piece in the Huffington Post about how their own strokes had only enhanced their public service. A stroke? No big deal. It's a good thing, actually. Ought to be a prerequisite for service in the Senate. For their part, most of the reporters who covered John Fetterman day to day worked hard to calm concerns about his health. Is John Fetterman a silver-tongued wordsmith? No, they conceded. He never has been. But brain damage? Come on. Don't be a bigot. That's ableist. Until last night, that's pretty much where things stood. Some people, mostly Republicans, thought John Fetterman might not be mentally fit to work in the Senate. Others, mostly Democrats, agreed with Clifford Chen, his doctor, that Fetterman was absolutely fine. So it was a neat partisan split. Then Fetterman appeared on stage for his first and only debate and settled this question for all time. John Fetterman, it turns out, is not capable of driving a car. He should not be allowed to operate a microwave oven. There is no chance that under any imaginable circumstances, John Fetterman could, quote, serve in the U.S. Senate. It's not a close call. Watch. You're running for a seat that could decide the balance of power in Washington. What qualifies you to be a U.S. Senator? You have 60 seconds. Hi. Good night, everybody. <laughs> I love that. What? So that was the moment right at the top that you know this was not a debate like the debates you'd seen before. Most debates feel pretty scripted. In fact, this debate actually was scripted. John Fetterman had a script. Yeah. He was reading it. He was. But he was still incapable of following that script. That's right. Here, for example, is how Fetterman responded to maybe the most obvious question of the night, one he knew was coming and, of course, would have prepared for. Here's his answer. You're saying tonight that you support fracking, that you've always supported Listen fracking, but there is that 2018 interview that you said, quote, I don't support fracking at all. So how do you square the two? Listen to this. Uh, I, I, I do support fracking and I don't, I don't, I support fracking and I stand and I do support fracking. Okay. 
a lot of conclusions here. The most obvious, why is Clifford Chen still practicing medicine? If you're a physician, are you allowed to lie for partisan reasons? Don't we have enough of that in this country? Should doctors be allowed to do that? He clearly was lying. That's not a man who can work with no restrictions in the U.S. Senate. Far from it. And everyone watching, every honest person, would come to that conclusion. We could play you a lot of clips like that. You've probably yep. seen them already today. But not everyone is an honest person. And to prove it, we're going to show you how MSNBC covered this dis debate the moment it ended. That's right. Here is New York Magazine's Rebecca Traster. Clearly, this was a candidate who was feeling stress, and there was such intense scrutiny, often ableist scrutiny, on how he was going to communicate. And he just did a debate in front of, a, you know, the nation, you know, an audience of anyone who could listen, and it was so transparent. He did fumble. He did make verbal mistakes. Um, you know, the, and and it was all on view. But the, the you know, I think it's also really interesting. You played a lot of clips. There were moments where he was really strong, including that Bernie Sanders clip, yeah. including his very fluent and direct response on raising the minimum wage. I thought was a really strong mo moment. So we just keep clips like that around just for future historians to assess what went wrong in America. And we wanted the hackiest possible response, the most dishonest assessment ever offered of any public event, and we just played it for you. He was facing ableist scrutiny. <laughs> because we're literal and we can't control ourselves, you just heard her say that Fetterman had a strong answer to a question. Talk about patronizing, by the way. Well, we thought we'd go and check what was his answer. You can assess for yourself whether this was, quote, strong. Here it is. What do you say to small business owners who have told us that if the minimum wage were increased to $15 an hour, it would put them out of business? You have 30 seconds. No, we, we all have to make sure that everyone that works is able to, that's, that's the most American bargain, that if you work full-time, you should be able to live in dignity as well, true. And I believe they haven't have any businesses being, being uh, you can't have businesses being subsidized by not paying ind uh, individuals that just simply can't evade to, to pay their own way. Okay, again, we could fill the hour recapping John Fetterman's sad responses. But it's not really that surprising to anyone who's been following John Fetterman for the past five months. You knew that he was profoundly cognitively impaired, and it turns out he is. So you learn really not that much new about him. What you learn is that everyone around him, from his doctor to his wife, to the media, to the Democratic Party, they're all liars. Yeah. And they all just got caught yeah. lying. And they went on and on and on like this. During Dr. Oz's closing statement, Federer begins shouting uncontrollably about social security until the moderator hushed him. Really, right. look it up. Yes. The effect over an hour is to make you feel very sad for John Fetterman. This is humiliating. The guy looked exactly Billy Bob Thornton in the movie Sling Blade. He really did. He couldn't he even read the canned lines his staff was writing for him. The fact that he could use a script, and again, folks, good afternoon at 117. You're listening to the John DePietro Show. It's AM 1380 and 99.9 .9 FM. The fact that he could use the closed caption, all he was doing was reading prepared scripts that they had put in front of him. But it's not like, for instance, as I've attended and seen these debates, 
the the person that I saw use their notes the most was Governor McKee. Governor McKee, what I saw, seemed to rely on his notes a lot the most. I didn't see Ashley Kalis rely on her notes a lot. I didn't see um, Mayor Fung rely on his notes a lot. Magaziner, uh, a little bit. Yeah, a little bit, Magaziner. But it was um, the person that I saw, especially in that Channel 12 debate, I was very surprised. I thought that Rhode Island Governor Dan McKee, he, he's the one that relied on, seemed to, on his notes the most. Now, folks, I want to play, let's just listen, the coverage. Joe Biden throws her support behind McKee and the Dems in the Rhode Island visit just to hear this uh, foolishness that took place yesterday. Ocean State today. Dr. Biden landing at TF Green International not a Airport doctor. just after 3 this afternoon uh, before heading home just before 8 p.m. Come on, the main purpose of her visit, a rally to support top Democratic candidates Governor Dan McKee uh, and congressional candidate Seth Magaziner. We have team coverage. 12 News reporter Amanda Pitts is at Rhode Island College where the First Lady met with students. But first, Steph Machado's in studio with a full recap of today. Steph? Democrats hope the Dr. First Lady's support can provide a boost to their campaigns, especially in the tight race in Rhode Island's 2nd Congressional District. Together, they will win! Oh, God. First Lady Jill Biden landing in Rhode Island to stump for Dan McKee and Seth Magaziner at yeah. a fundraiser at the Graduate Hotel. Dan has dedicated his life mm. to supporting the families of Rhode Island. <laughs> He what got shots in the arms during the uh, pandemic. God. Then moving to Cranston, where more than 200 magaziner supporters were enjoying meatballs at the Maria de Prada Society. He will stand up for the right to choose, and he's going to hold big corporations that accountable. even apply in Rhode Island. Over people. Voters in the 2nd uh. Congressional District elected President Biden by double digits over Donald Trump in 2020. You elected my husband. Joe, and I thank you for that. Thanks for rubbing it in. What he could do with more partners like Seth. Magaziner is locked in a close race with Republican Alan Fung for the U.S. House seat currently held by Jim Langevin who is retiring. Fung, the former mayor of Cranston, is leading by single digits in multiple public polls conducted in October, but Democrats claim the race is tightening. I think there's a lot of people who maybe knew my opponent as a mayor, uh, but as they're tuning in are realizing they don't want Kevin McCarthy and the Republicans in charge of Congress. They're going to be in charge. The first lady's they are going to be in charge. Magaziner during an interview on 12 News Tuesday. Doesn't you know, matter. I welcome Seth, who's renting now in Cranston, and he's bringing, yep. you know, uh, Dr. Biden into Cranston as well. But in all seriousness, what that shows is he's just doubling down on the failed policies of the Biden administration. That's right. And while the First Lady was here, Alan Fung was in Boston for a fundraiser with Republican whip Steve Scalise. Meanwhile, Ashley Kalis, the Republican nominee for governor, called McKee desperate for bringing in what she called D.C. insiders to campaign for him here in Rhode Island. I'm Steph Machado, 12 News. You know, this whole business, folks, I'm glad that that came out at 121. What is so disingenuous is the fact that regardless of whether or not, regardless of whether or not whoever wins that race, the Republicans are taking the, the, the House. Now the question is whether or not they're going to take the House and the Senate. 
You know where we could really be blank out of luck is, in fact, if Seth Magazino wins and then the Republicans take both the House and the Senate and we have no representation either one. I just want to play. How about uh, so that driver in the Dollar Tree, uh, so bizarre, crashing the car. He is now, uh, he was in court yesterday. News at 10 on Fox Providence. A man faced the judge today after allegedly driving through the front of a Winsocket story yesterday, nearly hitting a child. 12 News reporter Joe Cortez joins us now live in the studio with more. Thanks, Mike. An alarming scene in Woonsocket last night. Police say a former employee of the Dollar Tree stole his roommate's minivan just minutes before driving through the front entrance of the store, narrowly missing a family and their young children. 49-year-old Scott Stern faces a judge less than 24 hours after police say he smashed a car. Fired from the Dollar Tree. It was just after 4 o'clock Tuesday afternoon. Police responded to Crapo Court housing for an incident, but were soon diverted. Dispatch was able to quickly learn that the subject that was driving the van uh, was the same male involved in the Crapo Court incident. Police say Stern and his roommate got into an argument. That's when Stern allegedly stole his roommate's keys and took off. Soon after, about a mile and a half down the street, the minivan barreled through the Dollar Tree entrance. An eyewitness tells 12 News at first she thought it was a medical emergency. Then you hear him cursing and bending the door frame to get into the store. You knew something was off. The Think driver so? missed a young girl by a matter of feet. They oh. moved, you know, 10 seconds faster. Those kids would have... Um, would have been murder. Yeah, it would have been bad. Yeah. It's a busy, busy store. It's a miracle nobody got hurt. Right. Police say the investigation revealed Stern had been fired from the store a few days prior to the crash. And cited a longtime friend said his behavior had changed in the last week. And with everything going on in the world, you just don't know. It could have happened at Dollar Tree. It could have happened at, you know, anywhere. Well, he had a career for was arraigned on a total of 10 charges, including four felonies. He's currently being held at the ACI, and he'll be back in court November 9th. Joe Cortez, 12 News. I like the guy wearing a, um, he's wearing a shirt that says Team USA. I don't know. Can you imagine, like, you have your whole life career planned out that you're just going to climb the ladder, Dollar Tree, and then it is just in a moment's notice snatched from you. And the guy just went off. He, um, here we go again. Unionized nurses at two Rhode Island hospitals authorize 10-day strike notice. Is there no end to this stuff? Members of United Nurses, Allied Professionals, at Our Lady of Fatima, and Roger Williams vote to authorize the notice. They claim prospect charter care is not willing to provide sufficient wages. Well, it's now just a matter of time. Before the uh, governor and lieutenant governor will be marching on the picket line. Boy, that comes in handy. This time of year. Just as people are dealing with flu and some other problems. Yeah, that sounds like a pretty good time to go on strike. You know, the the sound yesterday of, of Governor McKee. Again, the whole gathering... It just seemed to be, it's, it's just one insider deal after another. One, one side, absolutely just, it's all the insiders 
Does it really matter? I mean, I like, why is a high-ranking senior state official having one-on-one meetings so-called member of organized crime? That's the Channel 12 story coming up at 5 o'clock. We play a little bit more of, um, let's see, Governor McKee was very excited to be at Rhode Island College yesterday with the First Lady. Was that favorite third grade teacher or that favorite seventh grade teacher? That is a, that is a, that's what you get because you invest in young people and you get results. And I coached a lot of basketball. And I know that at certain ages, the kids will listen to you like, oh, you can put the arm around them, go up the soccer field, you know the feeling. But at every age, they're listening to our teachers. And that's why we're here today. What is he talking about? It's intentional to be here with Dr. Biden, to talk about Rhode Island. Not a doctor. To talk about not only being really strong, but the future, I can guarantee you, is going to be stronger. There we are, folks. Good afternoon. Sorry about that. Slight glitch. Not exactly sure what happened, but we should be okay, JR. I apologize, folks. Right now, it is 128, 128, and you're listening to the John DePietro Show. It's AM 1380 and 99.9 FM. You can always listen online at our website, DePietro.com. We had a Slight power surge, and I saw that it clicked, but I believe we should be good to go. I think we should be uh, fine, JR. I don't expect any other problems, folks. Again, I want to apologize. That's obviously very unpleasant when something like that happens, but I think we should be okay right now, 128, 128 um, on this Thursday. So, so where is the race? Well, Right now, as I have been saying, the the onus is really on Republican challenger Ashley Kalis. She has she's the one that has to command and try to get the media vested in the race. So, you know, she had, as I played, she had. A good night on Tuesday night. Now, the problem, though, is it's Thursday. And right now, with everything on the line and the race coming down, you have today, you have tomorrow. They 
they still need to seal the deal. They still need to bring it home. She still has to make it happen. And I could use whatever other type of phrase we have to use. But I think you understand what I'm I'm saying. It's it's not there yet. Um, you know, yesterday was the media was obviously preoccupied with the the Jill Biden visit. And and so that act is is almost a little bit of a blackout for for the McKee campaign. As far as what they, they didn't want was, there was nothing bad about the coverage yesterday, right? I mean, there was nothing, even if you don't like the First Lady or like President Biden and so forth, even if you don't like them, at the very least, there were no bad, damaging stories coming out. So... I, I want to, I know I, there's supposed to be two debates next week, but one of them falls on Halloween, and it's a radio debate. And and that's tough to get traction in a situation like that. And then next week is the final full week, and then they're supposed to have a television debate. But like I said, if the race gets really close... You just wonder if, in fact, suddenly COVID pops up. Now, there's a story in the Providence Journal. State lawmakers will now consider raises for McKee's cabinet. Here's what they could make. And it goes in. I think Ashley Kalis should make a big deal about that because it's still, with everything going on right now, this business of we have to recruit from other state and we have to keep track and Massachusetts plays this, pays this, and Connecticut pays that. And, and it's, it's a smaller state, which means you're serving less people. So you don't have the demands that those states have. Um, so, so in other words, this business, there's no one leaving. They're not having a hard time finding people to do these jobs. If, if anything, you know, let, let's let's be real here. Getting one of these types of state jobs is is almost the equivalent for a lot of people, Rhode Island, of of hitting power, you know, Powerball, hit the lottery. You got to know someone. You got to be connected. You got to have a sponsor. Um, and otherwise, it's it's not. There's there's no one. There's no big. Opening and we're not losing people to other states. There was a uh, a window of time that a number of Rhode Island state troopers were actually leaving and going to to Massachusetts. They they had only been on the force a short time, and they just felt they could make more money as a Massachusetts state trooper. So it was it was worth it to them to to bail out and and make that move. But you you don't have that right now. You don't have uh, anything like that. If, if anything, you know, is there the, the the ultimate win is all of these attorneys that they that what do they really want? They want a judgeship. They want to be named a judge. That's the the real goal that they all work towards. So it's not a matter. There was no reason. Ashley was right. 
Ashley, when she said about paying the bonuses out, judges getting the bonuses. And I recognize, by the way, the McKee people say, well, we didn't we didn't give that to the judges. No, but you you set the tone. They set the tone for the judges. They set the tone that to give the state workers the bonuses just to go to work. That doesn't make any sense. Now, this is interesting. Channel 6 right now has new poll shows, Fung and Magazine, are neck and neck for CD2. I, I don't know about that. I don't know how much that's, um, how much is that is real. Are they really neck and neck or is Magazine just closing the gap? A new polling memo released by, well, it's released by the Democrat Congressional Campaign Committee. Shows the race is neck and neck. Now, number one, that means they want to get more people to donate. Number two, they want to give the appearance that, listen, this thing is neck and neck, could go either way, therefore we get the donations. But they didn't include that Bill Gilbert, who is the third party who's running in that race. So I'm not, I, I think... Mayor Fung still has the lead. I think it's a a small lead. They're saying the undecideds is now down to 5%. If that is the case. Now, but Gilbert was not included in the poll. How do you not include him? This poll is trying to say they're both at 48%. I don't don't think that's the case. I think it's Fung 48 and maybe magazine of 43 or 49, 44. How do you not include the guy who's polling at 5%? That doesn't sound legit. But there's, there's still, it doesn't seem like it. Mayor Fung now has one week and I think has two debates. No, two debates left, two debates left. I think they have a radio debate. And then another TD debate. But he has to find a way because the unions are doing everything in their power, folks, to try to pull this thing out. And you saw it, you know, the whole element of yesterday, Jill Biden. And then you have, obviously, Senator Whitehouse and Senator Reid. But I like how Mayor Fung is mentioning that Seth Magazine is renting a house in the second district. I'll say this. If the election is legitimate, I think that Mayor Fung wins it. If, big if though, if it's legitimate. But I, I don't, this is Rhode Island that we're talking about. You have organized labor involved. They are, you know, certainly sending out the message of a win at all cost. So I, I wouldn't, you know, you can't, you can't put it past them. The mail ballots concern me. The ballot harvesting, it does. I think Mayor Fung, I think, has run a, a ter- great, very good campaign. Very good campaign. And I think he's actually in the lead. So let me play. This is um, right now at 137. Folks, good afternoon. You're listening to the John DePietro Show. It's AM 1380, 99.9 FM. This is a Today Show talking about the two uh, voters reacting to key races across the country. 
I think there's a good piece on the Today Show. In two key Senate races, including another potential scandal in Georgia, NBC senior Washington correspondent Hallie Jackson. She's got the very latest. Hey, Hallie, good morning. Hi, Hoda. Good morning. Let's start with Georgia, where Republican Senate candidate Herschel Walker, who's campaigned on an anti-abortion platform, is now denying a new allegation from a second woman who says Walker pressured her to have an abortion in the early 90s. The anonymous woman says after she became pregnant in 1993, Walker encouraged her to have an abortion, adding that she first couldn't go through with the procedure, but that Walker encouraged her to go back, driving her to a Dallas clinic where she had the abortion. Now, NBC News has not verified her allegations, and the woman did not provide evidence that Walker was involved. Good thing in you're still reporting that it. That Georgia Senate race, Walker versus Democratic Senator Raphael Warnock, is very close. So is another in Pennsylvania, with Democratic Lieutenant Governor John Fetterman up against Republican candidate Dr. Mehmet Oz. Fetterman, facing questions about his his, at times, halting debate performance with lingering auditory processing issues after a stroke five months ago. And overnight at a rally, he acknowledged that doing that debate was not easy to cheers from his supporters. Oz, for his part, is playing defense against a new Democratic ad, highlighting his debate comments that an abortion decision is between a woman, her doctor, and local political leaders. Hoda? All right, Hallie Jackson. For you know, Harry. as I said, folks, and again, good afternoon at 1.39. I, I think Dr. Oz... Listen, he must he misspoke. I think he meant that the states are going to decide it. And the states are deciding it. Steve Fryers had a folks. Good afternoon. Right now, it's one thirty nine. You're listening to the John DePietro show. It's AM thirteen eighty and ninety nine point nine FM. You can always listen online at the website, which is DePietro.com. This portion of our program is brought to you by Propane Plus Heating and Cooling. Call Propane Plus today in Rhode Island, 401-885-4209. Propane Plus in Massachusetts, 508-252-3359. Propane Plus, three generations. They're available 24-7. You can depend on Propane Plus for heating and cooling. Call Propane Plus today. They also have a very user-friendly website. It's propaneplus.com. Residential or commercial, you just type in your zip code. And they're always there for you. Propane Plus for all your propane needs. Call Propane Plus today. 401-885-4209 or 508-252-3359. For Propane Plus. Well, folks, at 1.40 on this Thursday, and it is a delightful Thursday, by the way. My goodness. Finally, the sun is out. That is the sun. Look at that blue sky. Uh, Tom Brady and Tampa Bay, they're in action tonight. Um, Brady needs to turn things around. And then the Patriots, obviously. Huge game coming up this weekend against the uh, the Jets. And then you also have the... The World Series starting will be the Astros against the Phillies. So now what's what's making news on this Thursday? Well, one thing is I want to give credit to Channel 12. Now, Channel 12, they are having a little bit of a problem because they still are not fully up because of the situation with um, with Fios. So you can't get Channel 12 everywhere. But because of online, if people want to see a package, they can see a package. So there's a lot of speculation of this package they're going to roll out. A senior 
official at the Rhode Island State House meeting with um, a surveillance video of a member of organized crime. Wall Street Journal also has a piece. There's little in Biden's uninspiring, misleading, and out-of-touch closing campaign message to lead swing voters to, to, demo, to, to vote Democrat, writes Karl Rove. Biden's losing midterm message to Democrats. Folks, I believe that they are just going to get, I believe it's going to be not just a red wave, I think it's a red tidal wave. I hope, I really hope Rhode Island in some way Listen, it'd be great if Jeff Deal could pull it off. But at the very least, I really hope that some sense of the red wave lands in the ocean state. It would be big. Obviously, really pulling for... Cranston Mayor Alan Funk. But as I as I was talking earlier, the lieutenant governor candidate, Aaron Gookian, he's he's doing a very good job. And he's far more qualified than Sabina Matos. I hope he can pull it out. And Ashley Kalis, we don't have any polling on the lieutenant governor's race. Ashley Kalis is doing the best she can to try to close the gap with Governor McKee as the undecideds are getting smaller. But the Wall Street Journal has a police piece why Democrats are losing the midterms. With Trump out of the spotlight, voters are focusing on how far left the Democrat Party has turned. Commentary on Tuesday night Pennsylvania Senate debate, mostly about Fetterman's unfortunate struggles communicating because of his stroke in May. But for our money, the most telling moment was his response, Fetterman, to a question about his previous opposition to fracking for natural gas. It sums up why the election tides moving against Democrats may cause them both the House and Senate. I've always supported fracking, Fetterman said when pressed by a moderator. He later added, I do support fracking. I don't, I don't, I support fracking and I stand. <laughs> I do support fracking. His stumbles over his real position is understandable because his pro-fracking conversion, if that's what it is, is recent. In the past, he said, I, I, I do not support it. <clears throat> the Wall Street Journal writes, the point isn't about catching a politician in a flip-flop. The Fetterman contradiction shows how Democrats are in trouble because they nominate too many candidates who views on crime, immigration, climate, and the economy are all but impossible to defend in competitive races this year. Democrats are finally paying for their sharp left turn during the Trump presidency. That turn began in earnest with AOC, primary victory in New York, over the party warhorse Joe Crowley. That scared Democrats nationwide, caused many to adopt positions well to the left of center to avoid his fate. The left turn didn't matter in 2018 as voters came out to put a check on Trump's chaotic governance. It mattered more in 2020 after the summer of love riots following George Floyd's murder. Defund the police. Cost the party house seats. But Trump was still the main election issue. And Democrats played down their left turn by nominating the reassuring Joe Biden who promised to work with Republicans, unite the country, Democrats have tried mightily to drag Trump back into the 2022 campaign. 
And Mr. Trump's often obliged by meddling in GOP primaries. But he isn't on any ballot next month. Voters have thus had the chance to focus on the record of the Biden Democrats in office and the policy views of Democrat challengers. If Democrats lose the Senate, they'll regret in particular they nominated far left candidates like Fetterman and Mandela Barnes in Wisconsin. Have you seen that race? He's running against Senator Johnson. Fetterman tries to come across as a working man's candidate, but his history against fracking pits him against the blue-collar workers. Puts him on the side of the climate elites in the big cities. Also a killer issue. Inflation, energy prices. Crime is another issue. Democrat excess has left candidates asking voters deny what they see with their own eyes. How about Tuesday's New York gubernatorial debate? Democrat Governor Kathy Hochul declared that anyone who commits a crime faces consequences. Voters know that isn't true. Couldn't defend the state bail law. Gives judges too little discretion to jail repeat offenders. Folks, as I have said right now, 147, I really wish that Ashley Kalis would go after how McKee is soft on crime. I mean, the issue is sitting there waiting for her and they're just ignoring it. Hochul's campaign boils down to declaring that Republican Lee Zeldin's a fan of Trump, opposes abortion rights, favors gun rights. Well, that may be enough to get her over the finish line, but Zeldin has a chance because she's refused to move to the center and she worked to prevent a primary challenge from Attorney General Alita James. The Trump presidency caused many people to lose their minds, Democrats and the media most of all. The normal party checks, radical policies vanished as opposition to Trump became the party's self-defining political mission. Perhaps a drubbing on November 8th will jolt the party back to reality. Folks, we can only hope, we can only hope I mean, I will say, our friend Pat Cordelessa, he is running a good race for Secretary of State. Ashley Kalis has Governor McKee on the ropes. And Cranston Mayor Fung is leading General Treasurer Seth Magaziner. But now they just have to close it out with a week to go. Big week to go. 12 days, actually. 12 days to go. I mentioned the Karl Rove piece. He boasts, of, talking about Biden, boasts about the economy, declares abortions his top priority. Karl Rove, who's a genius, wrote, over the past week, Biden laid out his party's closing campaign message, providing them with a template, helped them power through the election's final days. It wasn't pretty. <laughs> he started telling the crowd October 18th, first bill I'll send codify Roe v. Wade will be his top priority 2023. Second part was that he congressional Democrats have done a lot. No one, no one knows this stuff. You know, we fixed the economy, we fixed the environment, blah, blah, blah. And then they offered a third message that we're rebuilding the economy stronger than before the pandemic. Mixed in all of that were Attacks on Republicans as extremists. The Republicans want to get rid of change Social Security and Medicare. 
Folks, all lies. That's mega, mega trickle down. More lies. The, the, Kyle Grove writes that this is the best the president can do. He should stay off the campaign trail. And it isn't helping his party. Folks, I hope that people are going to decide. Now, again, I'll admit, I am surprised. Now, right now, maybe something's coming. I haven't received anything from the Kalis campaign today. They can't afford to go silent. They need to keep the media engaged. Today's Thursday. I'm not breaking any news here. Tomorrow's Friday, then you hit the weekend, and it's Halloween weekend. Monday is Halloween. Parents take out children, people, you know, it's a, it's a party day. Not everyone's glued to the news. And then next Tuesday's November 1st. And then the election's November 8th. So Ashley Kalis has to find a way, I believe. Now, the final debate is supposed to be a week from today. The final debate for Governor, Governor McKee and Ashley Kalis is scheduled for next Thursday. But I believe she's got to do something beforehand to, I don't know. I don't know what it is. I don't know their polling. I I think she kind of has this long video she played the other night. It's it's well done. Um, It's inspiring. But I'm not, I I still come back to you got to knock out the champ. You got to knock out the champ and and right now he he is in fact governor mckee still has the lead i got a call this morning from someone that thinks that oh she's right there oh mckee mckee is not in panic mode i mean you you gotta we gotta stay in reality here if governor mckee were in panic mode you'd know it because he'd be doing a lot of events He'd be trying to get as much airtime as he could. They would be, you can tell when someone is scrambling. They're, they're, not, they're not scrambling. They could be wrong, but right now they, they think they have it. I got that from someone that was there last night. He could be wrong, but Governor McKee, their people, they feel... That he has built a lead, he's going to hold on to the lead, they're going to finish strong, and a week from Tuesday, that he's going to be proclaimed the winner, and that night, on the 8th. So, you know, and I I mentioned that to... um, to another Republican said, oh, no, he's scrambling. He's, you would know if he's scrambling. You can tell. I think, I'm not sure what to make. I, I will um, circle back with the, um, with the Fung people. Because they, they feel good. They should feel good. Now, it's all get out the vote. That's what it comes down to. You know, I also wanted to touch on, I received, what time is it? One fifty-three, Folks, good afternoon. It's John DePietro on AM 1380 and 909.9 FM.
Um, I, I want to, what is Fetterman versus Oz is not really Fetterman versus Oz. Well, actually, yes, it is. Gail Collins. So how, how many of you watch the Pennsylvania Senate debate because you want to back the most articulate candidate? It sounds like an excuse piece. Whole country is wondering how well John Fetterman was doing. Get his thoughts across. They're not going any oratory prizes in the immediate future. If one of those had been given out, Mehmet Oz would have won. Former television talk show host was more articulate than the guy who had the strike. But deep down, nothing made much difference. Most viewers knew who they were going to support before the debate began. Hundreds, thousands of them had already voted. Makes total sense. The important thing about this election, it could decide who will control the Senate. I disagree with that right there of this good thing these people voted before they had all the information. I'm against that. I don't see how we are served by people voting before the race is complete. She goes on to say, there, the big votes are almost always divided by party. Be honest. Were you really surprised Fenton was the one who wants to raise the federal wage to 15 or that he would protect the filibuster? At this point, party is all that matters. See, I disagree with this because there were independent, undecided voters who were leaning towards this Lieutenant Governor Fetterman. And after they saw him, they're like, well, forget that. That guy is simply not up to the task. They're trying to say, oh, he is that what you're deciding it on? What? Because he just he's not that. Artic- yeah, for starters. Um, this whole business of good for him, a person with a disability. Whoa, whoa, whoa. They were saying that he was fine. She goes on to write, unfortunately, given Fetterman's trouble with quick repartee, he didn't throw in a reminder of his opponent's recent metamorphosis into a Pennsylvania resident. What you now have are people that are upset at just how bad he looked. And they're upset that independents that were saying, I was leaning towards the guy, but after I saw that, there's no way I'm voting for him. So... Now, oh, so suddenly now, is this a Senate debate? Or, hey, listen, if he can't articulate his views, if he has a processing problem, that, that is different than someone that needs eyeglasses or someone who's in a wheelchair. <laughs> Who is capable of doing those things? It's, not, it's, it's night and day. As the expression goes, that's not apples and oranges, that's apples and trucks. It's ludicrous. Now they're trying to say, well, that doesn't really matter. Well, actually, it does matter. As Biden said, his wife's going to do great. Oratory shouldn't, oratory shouldn't matter. Well, it actually does matter. It actually does. He won't be able to interact with other senators. He won't be able to interact with his constituents. That is part of it. Part of the process is you want to see how they would handle themselves. You want to see a consistent pattern. You want to see them be able to represent themselves. So it definitely, it definitely matters. I'm not buying any of that. But look at the way they're trying to, oh, so why is that so important? 
Why is it so important that he, what, that he stammering and is gibberish and he, because he's not up to the gig. Pretty much what it is. But this is, this is a party, the Democrat Party. They're trying to convince you that, that Biden is fine. And we all know that he's not. I think that's where they lose people. Folks, good afternoon at 158. You're listening to the John DePietro Show on AM 1380 and 99.9 FM. I think where they actually lose people is when they try to convince you, oh, no, he's, he's fine. He, he's obviously not fine. <laughs> I mean, come on. And Tucker was right. It was like Billy Bob Thornton in Sling Blade with the potatoes and so forth. That's that's who he sounded like. And and they had been claiming that he was fine. And then people would observe. He couldn't answer questions. He can't process. The guy had a stroke. He probably should not be running. He should be trying to rehabilitate himself from the stroke. Well, stroke victims in the country got a lesson this week. Well, that that's not fair. There's a difference between someone that says, yes, I've had a stroke and I'm trying to rehabilitate and come back from it. That guy, he is not good to go. He can't communicate. That's a problem with that particular job. Doesn't make him a bad guy. Doesn't make him a bad father, or husband, son. Just doesn't mean he's up for the job. All right, folks, at 159, we will be doing Facebook later. It is a delightful Thursday afternoon. We're back on the radio tomorrow at 11. I want you to stay tuned for the 2 o'clock news. Uh, much more is ahead. And then also visit the website, petro.com if you ever miss anything in the show. And don't forget, you can also uh, watch and have a nice lunch at the Lodge. 40 WNRI, Woonsocket, W260DC. WNRI.